Today I have a very very unusual person on our show Hasan Bayarwaris welcome to the show. Thank you Ashutosh thank you for giving me this opportunity. Thank you. Hasan after several years as an art and creative director decided to move to Sufism and he is a spiritual coach he is a Sufi coach and he is a certified life coach. That's quite an amazing transition. So Hasan tell me a little bit about your early journey and then what encouraged you to go to Sufism. See, most of us start up advertising either as art person or copy in creative. So I started as a visualizer in art department. There were initial, like small setups where I worked, based out of Noida and some somewhere in Delhi. But I got my big break in publicis in two thousand five seven, and that that's when like I could justify my education and my branding skills. apart from showcasing my designing skills as a designer then i moved up to the ladder i joined everest and i saw my high point i would say in mudra mumbai mm-hmm. and that's where i kind of got sense of fulfillment mm-hmm. and i didn't know what next in advertising so i think that's when i took a u turn and uh, i didn't know like what is my next step mm-hmm. because most of us in middle class in this part of the world are groomed that if you are being spiritual or you are being kind of escapist so this was i think maybe my own upbringing my own conditioning my own belief systems that were blocking me from taking this plunge okay which was like kind of following my heart and doing what i am cut for so when you mentioned when i was reading about you you mentioned that you discovered yourself yeah yeah what does that mean Okay in layman's terms i would say discovering yourself is finding your unique gift it is like when you feel in flow when you feel in your own zone it is like flying for a bird mm-hmm. and uh, swimming for a fish okay the day you discover that okay this is the your thing mm-hmm. i think that's what i i call discovering yourself okay wonderful like i keep wondering whether i've discovered myself i don't know then let's talk about sufism please tell me First, help me understand who is a Sufi, mm. because most of us have only heard Sufi music, but I don't think people understand who is a Sufi. Okay, let me give you the definition which is closest to what I am doing. Okay, Sufi is a person who intent and thoughts, mm. words and actions mm. are perfectly aligned. Okay, in Sufism, at the peak of your experience, mm. all you become is a complete man. Okay. Remember that Raymond baseline mm-hmm. was given by Muhammad Khan, Enterprise Nexus mm-hmm. gentleman. Mm-hmm. The complete man baseline of Raymond is actually insane kamil of what Sufis say that the highest experience that man and can have. And is it only for males or females also? It applies to both. Okay. It's irrespective of okay. gender. So there could be a complete woman as well. Oh yes, okay. any day, any okay. time. Just wanted to clarify. <laughs> oh yeah, please. <laughs> okay. And when you talk of you know complete alignment, yeah, does that? need some kind of certification or is it self realization 
Ah, that's a good question. It is a very informal way. That's why we are at times termed as mystics. Okay. This is something very mysterious. Mm-hmm. Most of us think that you read about spirituality and you become spiritual. Mm-hmm. That's most of us like mm-hmm. start that way. But that's the beginning of a journey. Okay. Actually, it ends in experience. Mm-hmm. So knowledge, like as Sufis put it, wisdom is understanding what earlier at its best you only knew. Okay. So again, just I don't want to labor this point, but how do I determine I have become a Sufi? The day you think that you are perfectly aligned on all those three points, okay. you are home. You may not be wearing a robe that most of us sing that, okay, who dance and howl mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. meditate in a certain manner, do some breathing exercises. Mm-hmm. Are Sufis? No. It can be anybody. It can be your driver. It can be your lawyer. Mm-hmm. It can be anybody. I understand. Yeah. So my next question is, why is God called truth? See, in a way, Sufis can be put in the bracket of pantheism. We see every religion as one. Okay. Not just verbally, but it's like somebody who has experienced grape and he can be comfortable in China where people call grape something else. In India, maybe it's angur. Anywhere. So we we don't bother about that, what that thing is called once you have experienced it. But I noticed in every religion, this truth thing is very common. Bible says the truth will set you free. Okay. In, in Islam, one of the names of God is Haq. Haq means truth. Truth, if you explain it further, is actually reality. So what Kabir says that Maya. So most of us see world not as the real thing. We see it through our filters of beliefs, conditionings, and therefore we don't see the real reality. So seeing the real reality or being in the state where you see things as they are, that is what seeing truth is. And that's what, that's when, when you are out of your baggage, what you carry as, you know, conditioning, as beliefs, prejudices, prejudices, and other things. Very true. But, you know, most of us have our biases. Yeah. We are conditioned by the society we live in. Very true. We are conditioned by the people we talk to, by yeah. the people we read. <clears throat> and, yeah. You know, all kinds of things. Yeah. How can a common man or a common person be able to extricate themselves and say, I will only look at the truth? Okay. That seems to be a very, very evolved human being. Definitely. Hmm? Definitely. Let me give you an example here. Saints have been talking about this. Hmm. So breaking this conditioning, they have equated or going to your primordial state. Now you will have to introduce one more word. Love. Hmm. Love state is your primordial state. We lose it the moment we are thrown into the world of duality. The moment we are born and we become conscious that we are bodies. We have to breathe from nose, you know, and fend for yourself. We feel hungry now and all that happens. So going back to that bliss, that primordial nature is a bit of a challenge. So those who can challenge that conditioning, the saints have equated that experience as almost like killing yourself. Like Kabir says, Mm -hmm. or Raskhan, you can Uh say, Raskhani yehu ghar premaka khala ka ghar nai. Khala ka ghar is muhavra. It's an easy task. So Raskhani yehu ghar premaka khala ka ghar nai. Seas utare haati dhare. So you have to clear all your conditionings, all your ego centricity. For, for all our listeners and viewers, please explain the Doha you just spoke. Okay. So Raskhan is trying to say that it's not child's play, like being in the zone of love. You have to like almost rip yourself okay. of all that you have 
kept so dear. Okay, in scientific terms, I would say that from I consciousness to being pure consciousness is the challenge. Okay. So this I word, this what we call ego or this egocentricity. Ahankar. Yeah, ahankar of any sort. I have met people who think that their thoughts are dearer to them than their sons. Correct. So we have to be very careful. Attachment can be to even thoughts and ideas also. And it becomes very difficult to change yourself. So tell me, Hasan, which love did Rumi and Kabir speak about? We all are familiar with love. Correct. We love our dog. We love our pizza topping. We beings. love human beings and all that. But if you watch closely, the love these saints are talking about is little different, yet little similar. So that's why they could not find any other word for the sake of, you know, spelling it. They call it love or prem. But if you ask me in Hinduism, we have two terms. One is called Sur. The other is Asur. Sur is somebody who is in perfect harmony with the rest of the universe. Like a melody. Like a melody. So he will be in flow. He will live in flow. Asur is somebody who is disjointed. He is playing his own trumpet. He is like, you know, looking, not participating in the rest of the harmony being played by universe. So if you ask me, this love is actually love state that they are talking about. It is not that transactional love. You scratch my back, I scratch yours. And we feel happy with each other. Is not that. So here, the beloved is actually your supreme consciousness. You can call it God for, for giving it term. And uh, Rumi has differentiated a bit. So this love, in this love, the lover becomes beloved. Okay. He doesn't love the beloved only. That's the ultimate experience. As Baubulisha has said somewhere, Ranja Ranja Kardi, main aap Ranja hui. Ranja Ranja Saddo, How can a female become a male? It's not possible. But in this, like Rumi has said, in this love story, the lovers don't meet in the end and live happily thereafter, as we all know. Is that they are together all along. So that means here, it is that consciousness, supreme consciousness, that you, you drop your ego and you live in that bliss is what saints are talking about, nice. to my understanding. Very nice. No, this whole discussion is about yeah, your understanding. Yeah, yeah. So my next question is that, you know, we always say that we must surrender before yeah. God. Yeah. We must surrender in love. And we also say that when we surrender, we get empowered. Explain to me. It is the same thing. Like right now, if you are like eye conscious mm-hmm. or egocentric, you live very limited. But the moment you are aligned with the you know, life force itself, you are a different man. It's just that. And you you can feel it. The moment you drop your baggage, you know, your, you know, petty belief systems that you have, then you see Your your negativity. Yeah, everything. Belief is something that limits you. It thinks that you are a body. So man is actually two in one. Sufis say that, Tum sawari bhi ho, sawar bhi ho. So man is actually not just horse. Man is horse rider also. Maybe in this evolutionary journey, man took a evolutionary leap where we became more consciousness and less body. So the moment we are aware of that we are I'm more consciousness and less body, you are in the zone. So tell me what or is there a science behind Sufi spirituality? Yeah, there is. The moment you drop your conditionings, you become aware of them. God is also called light, by the way. What happens with the light? You can see things. The moment you are able to see your Intents, your conditioning, your belief systems, things that limit you, 
you are out of them these are just thoughts that you are like empowering just because you can't break those you know limitations that you have imposed on yourself they are not your nature by the way they are just like how easy it is to see in day to day life that people become slaves of their habits mm-hmm. the moment they realize the futility of it they are out of it and gradually they can wean out yeah. of that bad habit or whatever is not serving them so one more question you know just continuing our discussion Please. if the world was to adapt sufism all these religious battles that we keep having all over the world which are crazy ideologies because every religion basically says there is one god yeah would that conflict also not disappear it will disappear in a zip correct it will disappear like this yeah. how many of us get baffled by the fact that somebody is reading kase kabutar yeah. the other is reading kase kamal yeah. and we we don't know but but we can compare and then fight mm-hmm. but once we are doing ma hindi mm-hmm. do you think those symbols which look so different matter it doesn't matter you are having angur you are calling it grapes mm-hmm. and i'm having angur and i'm calling it angur mm-hmm. so uh, can we fight yeah. we are having the same and you are drying it and you are calling it kishmish yeah yeah right. somebody comes and, and we are, and with our experience we know that oh third one is having another version of it right. so two more questions on sufism before please, i move to the next please, part please. you know you work with millennials and young people yeah in your workshops tell me what kind of work do you do with them my workshops are typical training workshops you can say so i have activities which are very powerful so i teach people how to see truth mm-hmm. it's not just know about it mm-hmm. so i have demonstrations i have activities role plays there is bit of music that i play there is bit of you know rituals that i give them or they can help themselves so in a way why i work with millennials primarily is because because they can relate to my language and i can relate to their life and uh, yeah something magical happens so my last question on sufism is your is your forthcoming book yeah uh, yeah tell me about the book see the title is not final as yet i have signed the contract spiritual publication hey house is publishing it hopefully so they are still to approach me for okay. the final manuscripts but yeah. i have signed the contract mm-hmm. and the book right now i have spelled it like as for sufi as an a for apple correct and i'm calling it a primer to sufi spirituality that's how i i see it and it is nothing but uh, a sum total or a nutshell of my workshop only okay. so those who can't uh, like attend my workshops for whatever reason mm-hmm. can help themselves right so as then let's move to the second part of your specialization which is as a life coach okay you know you do a lot of life coaching so you know I've interviewed a lot of coaches and I know what coaching is but what is life coaching life coaching is a very holistic term i would say but more than anything else something that pulled me to life coaching was the fact that it is very similar to what i am very comfortable with like helping people or rather teaching people how to teach themselves so if if i can give you an analogy if you allow me yeah. it will be like life coaching is going to a gym where coach instructs what is in your best what is best for you and at the same time you have to lift your dumbbells mm-hmm. so life coaching is helping you find your own keys okay. open your own locks i see so life coaching like works on the premise mm-hmm. that people can help themselves yeah. people have their own answers mm-hmm. it is not mentoring where i give you inputs or counseling no mm-hmm. it is different thing and you say that people are looking for the right thing in the wrong place 
help me understand this. You can look around the world and see all of us are craving one fulfillment, the feeling of peace and how much wrong we do to ourselves in that process of finding that elusive peace. Mm. All these bars will close if people know that the peace is within me, but somehow we reach out to that. That is the wrong place yeah. where, where you are damaging your own internal parts. Mm. I'm not talking about what rituals society has created. Mm. I'm talking about how it harms an individual mm. because he is thinking that I'll find some peace. Of course, we find our peace. So if I can compare, I would say that people are busy finding Anand while Parmanand waits. Nice. Who needs a life coach? How oh. do I, as a common listener to our Ya conversation, determine that I need a life coach? Is it when I'm very troubled or is it when I'm stressed or is it generally touching? Okay, again, coming to, to that core where, from where I operate is that state. Somebody comes to a Sufi and uh, says that I want to be your disciple. So that gentleman says, I don't take everybody as disciple. I can't take you. That, oh, isn't it your duty to serve people, serve humanity? Such a like known saint of the time. Where should I go then? So he said, no, I look for certain degree of restlessness in the person who, who I would call my disciple. Said, Can't you see that restlessness in me? He said, yeah, but you have too much of it. So that means somebody who is not very happy with point A and is very serious about owning his own decisions and wants to reach point B and has a conviction. It's like maybe that uh, that person you said that who is very, you know, desperate about it. Maybe he needs a hospital, not gym. So again, coming back to that analogy, coaching is for the people who are like healthy enough and they want to build muscles. Not for people who are looking for spa treatment, somebody helps them or need hospitalization immediately. Okay. So let me ask you, I've got to time for just two or three more questions. Please, you're welcome. In your life, and yeah. You've had a very successful life and obviously you have achieved a lot mentally, spiritually and, you know, you're in a state which is very different from the common person. Tell me, have you had any people who had an influence on your life? And if yes, what have you learned from them? Again, it's a very mysterious thing, I would say. If you ask me the difference between a mandir and masjid, I think I was able to cross this barrier, break this conditioning at the age of seven and I was at ease. At both places. So you can say that there is there was influence of my guru. He's the one who gave me this name. I'm named after a saint. If you happen to see the 26th January parade, his shrine was there on Uttar Pradesh tabloid. Okay. So he has named me after Haji Waris Ali Shah. So Saint Waris Ali Shah, his mausoleum is next to Lucknow. So my guru was his third generation. I see. Not as in biological child, mm-hmm. because he never married. Yeah. Sir Spark never married. So, but he was his third generation saint. And it's very, so I think uh, it was his influence, which was there all mm-hmm. the time. So one of my friends asked, so you are following your heart now? I said, maybe I have stopped resisting it. Mm-hmm. So maybe I was resisting myself, which my friends in publicis and other places could see it. I could not see it. Maybe I didn't have that conviction of breaking that whatever middle class month to month living right. lifestyle. Right. So my last question to Please. you and this question is on failure. My question to you is that, you know, most of us fail, we learn and yet we don't teach our children that it's okay to fail. We keep telling them first time. And that then manifests itself in behavior patterns. You know, my car must be right in front, whatever happens. My question to you then is that as a Sufi, what have been your learnings from some of your mistakes or your failures? See, I am some total of all that I have done so far. Mm. If I call it success or failure, 
I am giving label to certain result. If it was above my expectation, I'll call it success. If it was below, I'll call it failure. I think we are a mixed bag and we should accept that. And having said that, we should not forget that we should move to find our perfect self, find the perfection within as we move up. So, and it is when you operate from that, that love state, then you will be less demanding, less unreasonable. That's the only way that like Rumi says, wherever you are, whatever you do, always be in love. So he's talking about that love state. Then no questions asked. You can never be wrong. You'll be you're doing your loving best in the given situation. Correct. And at that stage, I guess, whether it's failure or success, it doesn't matter. It's immaterial. It's immaterial. Because there are things that are beyond your control. If it's sunny outside, I cannot do anything. But I can find one umbrella and help myself. If there's no umbrella and I'm feeling that the sun is too scorchy, I may cover my hand like this. But I'm helping myself all the same. You know? So Stan, thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. And for me, this is a great learning on Sophieism. If you say so. Wish you all the best. I'm, I'm obliged that you gave me a chance to share my story. Thank you so much, Ashutosh. Thank you for listening to our podcast. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Brand Called You, and never miss any update. For feedback, reach us on at HT Smartcast. We are present on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To listen to more podcasts by The Brand Called You, log on to www.htsmartcast.com or suno nai nazari essay. This was an HD Smartcast original. HD Smartcast.